Hello, everybody, and welcome along to today's episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. And uh, joining us on today's podcast uh, is Paul Campbell. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of Tito, um, uh, I suppose, in an in a a simplest way we could say that um, you are an event management software company Paul but we will no doubt find out more about you as today's episode progresses first of all thank you very much for taking the time to join us Um, it's a pleasure and thanks James for having me on here it's great to be here Excellent. And, and Paul joins us from, from uh, Tito's base in Dublin, in the Republic of Ireland. Um, hopefully it's as sunny there today as it is uh, as over, over this side of the Irish Sea. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, global warming to thank or to hate or to be worried about, but it is, uh, the sun is splitting the trees, as they say here. <laughs> Excellent. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was, it, was, was I right or wrong in saying that fundamentally what you guys uh, do is, is event management software, Paul? Yeah, I mean, event uh, ticket sales software, and then the the management of the of the sales after that. Yeah. Okay. So ticket sales primarily is that is that where the the, the platform was born? Exactly. Yeah, we wanted to build the best checkout experience for buying tickets on the internet, and that was basically what the the initial goal was to do. It's a bold goal to have to set out. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's quite confined as well, though. I mean, the, the fundamental problem that I had when I set out to, to build something was that I was going to a lot of events and I found that the registration or the ticket purchasing or getting experience was, could be stressful at the best of times, or you were landed with a ton of fields to fill in before you could even get your ticket. And it always felt a bit more stressful than it ought to. And I said there should be a better way and people ought to be able to get access to a better way. So that was the premise behind building the first version. And, and when it came to building that first version, was it something that you were able to do? Is, does your background lie in programming and developing this type of technology? Yeah, so I was building software for customers and clients um, all over the world for a couple of years before starting Tito. And one of the previous clients had they were selling things online. So we had written some code to integrate PayPal. And I decided that for the the very first event on Tito, I would just create a little tiny app that connected PayPal to our website so that you could basically click buy, pay on PayPal, and then come back and you had tickets, nothing else. That's all it was. And one thing that that, that instantly sort of um, aroused my curiosity when I was on your on your website, um, in fact, that, that there are several key bits of text that are on there which I liked. But one that said that, that you've steered clear of the startup mania, but you're mm. okay with that. And just from my own personal point of view, I've 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 interviewed on this podcast a lot of tech startups. Um, professionally, I've met a lot of tech startups and companies who who may have, have, have launched new products and services that they think will be the next big thing. And they do, a lot of companies do like to make a big hoo-ha about themselves, a big sort of mm. media splash and push it out there. Um, have you guys then taken a completely different tact in terms of how you wanted to grow and develop the product? I, I think it's safe to say we have, yeah. The, the startup mania thing, it, it's probably... It's probably a bit too broad because you can't really tar everyone with the same brush. But in my mind, the the startup moniker is associated with hyper growth or VC back companies. Is if if you can't grow fast enough to to make the investors' money back uh, at all cost, well then the company dies. Mm-hmm. And 
in my mind, there's, a, there's, a, there's an association between that kind of focus on growth at all costs and maybe sometimes compromising one's moral values or principles in the pursuit of that growth. And that was something that um, my co-founder, Doc, and I set out to try to avoid from the outset, that we would want to try and do things ethically and as we thought that we would want to be uh, advertised to or we, we tried to build a software and the business that we would want to be uh, to to be part of I guess or to be to be customers of and that was to avoid things like spammy email tactics or anything that used kind of trickery or dark patterns or uh, weird psychological hooks to get people to do things we just didn't want any of that we wanted to keep things simple and really focus on being a platform that kind of had integrity at its core and I suppose in, in doing that and, and taking that approach, um, not that there's anything wrong with the other route uh, and people who have a right. startup who decide to go down the, the VC route and, and to source financial backing. But inevitably with that route comes a certain element of pressure and perhaps compromise that people may have to agree to um, in order to, t to take one alongside the other. Um, and by the sounds of things doing it your route, it means that you're not maybe as subjected to the levels of compromise that the other route would perhaps lead you towards. Right. And it, the, there is another compromise. The compromise is that our growth is a lot slower. Mm -hmm. We don't have access to shocking amounts of capital to be able to move quickly if we need to. But on the flip side, things are a lot more calm. We feel in control. We're able to kind of regulate. We're able to respond to things. We're able to think about what we're doing as we do it. Because everything is slow, we've got, we've got time to breathe and we've got time to take into consideration whether what we're doing is the right thing, the right thing for the company, and that what we do uh, resonates with the values that we set out. And interestingly, the, the values were kind of always there and we always knew what they were, but we've been working together for five, six years now, but it's only recently that we've started articulating those values in terms of words and practices that we can actually refer to. So it's been, it's been an interesting exercise to tease that out because we knew that the values were in us because we always aligned with how we wanted to do things. Mm -hmm. But um, like integrity, I think, is, is very much fundamental. And that was one of the words that we chose that we, we, we don't want to sacrifice on integrity. And I think that that's one of the things that one of the things that is the first to grow if you've got growth at all costs in the back of your mind, um, the, the, the ethics of it sort of come into question. Well, not only that, but the, the actual, um, the, the, the operational aspects and the usability of whatever it is that you're delivering right. can, can often be affected as well. And again, just references, referencing things that I've experienced firsthand and that are new you know, tech startups that have brought products to market that have launched quickly with a big fanfare, but whose products unfortunately don't work as they should do. Um, right. And that time to breathe that you talk about here, time to breathe is time to test, time to refine, time to make sure Absolutely. that things are actually working and correct before you put them out there. Because there's nothing worse than putting a product out there and then having to withdraw it or refine it or change it or test it or update it. Absolutely. And James, thank you, because that gives me a perfect chance to segue into the, another of the core principles of what we're trying to do, which is, I mean, integrity is, is great and a lot of people can speak to having integrity, but what you're talking about there in the terms that we're um, coming to realize is excellence. And that's what our kind of our second pillar of how we're thinking about 
running the businesses is that we want to do, we want to do things well um, in the, in terms of like ethically good, but we also want to do things well in terms of a great user experience, a considered product, a product that really kind of considers its users needs as an organizer. Like if the fundamental problem that any software is, should ought to be solving is can I make the person using the software better at what they do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what, 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 that's kind of our motivating factor. Um, first of all, is what we're doing good? And second of all, is it good for our customer? And, and of course the, the difficulty in what you guys do and, and the whole, the entire tech industry that develops things that ultimately are going to receive interaction from consumers is that consumers themselves can't necessarily articulate what they find good and bad about these types of platform. Everyone is very used nowadays to going onto a laptop, onto a tablet, onto a smartphone and purchasing a ticket or buying something online. Irrespective of how well they can articulate that though, what they can do is suddenly say, Oh, that was easy. Or, right. Oh, that was a bit yeah. of a ball ache. Yeah. And, and you can, it's those sort of reactions that, that, that you're trying to work within. Absolutely. And the thing is a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis within kind of like the startup literature world on metrics, measure everything, do what works and ditch what doesn't. But one of my principles is that just because something works, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Mm. And what, when you were mentioning those kind of things, you, I was reminded of like uh, going on a website and just typing in a box and then a, a, an overlay pops up, whether it's asking for my email or trying to distract my attention toward an app. Um, Tito just simply doesn't have any of that stuff and there's no way to get pop-ups that distract your attention away from what you're doing. But those things work. People do fill in their email address primarily because they're usually designed in such a way that you can't find the close button and you end up putting your email address in just to get rid of the damn thing. Mm. So uh, employing things because they work or because they drive metrics is a tool as far as I'm concerned, but it should not be the sole purpose for making, making decisions um, when it comes to building software that people use and people ought to love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when it, when it just sort of referencing that, that, that testing um, and, and that sort of breathing space that, that, that you guys seem to have wanted to afford yourselves from day one, um, mm. when it came to, 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 to the research, the development, the programming side of things, there is obviously then a, a, an almost um, a paradox there that in order to actually get it right, it has to be tested somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go through that whole testing process when you want to maintain the values that you set out from day sure. one? So I think part of that is about building a community. So we have put a lot of effort into getting to know our customers really well and down through the weirs through the years traditionally that has been either going to conferences and f- finding organizers and getting to know them and and, and hanging out and asking them to, to use the software um, all the way up to last year we ran our own conference specifically for organizers and we think of these people as insiders and um, we're, we're always very happy to accommodate the needs of our in- insiders um, over and above what our core product provide. So we have our core platform that has been solid and stable for about three to four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, even It was even solid before we incorporated it as a company. That's kind of how much we cared about getting it right before we even incorporated the business. And what we do is we have about 50 features that 
not everybody on Tito gets that are all at various points of, um, of finishedness, but they already provide value to a lot of customers. These are things like Salesforce integration, which we don't advertise, but some of our biggest customers use things like being able to pay by invoice rather than credit card, um, all the way down to tiny little things like sending certain metadata to a payment provider that is, isn't enabled by default. And it's, yeah, it's a relationship with these insiders that one, we've seen value in, and now we want to, as we grow, we want to formalize and, and improve on because we, we really appreciate that feedback loop. And then that kind of strikes on the, the third principle that builds on the core of integrity and then the commitment to excellence, which is really we're, we're here. We want to bring delight to our customers. Um, not delight in and of itself, not just whimsy. We don't want to create a lovely UI that's all colors and smiles and jokes <laughs> because that's, that doesn't mean much without that really commitment to excellence and quality in the center. And then below that, um, making sure that what we're doing is good in terms of moral good. But ultimately what we're trying to do is bring like fulfillment and delight to our customers' lives and then hopefully to their customers too because obviously um, being sort of a B2B style business, our customers have thousands and actually millions of customers then. So Indeed, yeah. And, and as I said, going back to what I said, the, the biggest compliment I, I suppose that a customer could pay platform like this is 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 having fin completed the process just that simple act of going oh that was easy um you know, I, I, I suppose that's ultimately what, what all of the tech companies are striving for one thing i wanted to ask is, is is that there's um to me there is a fundamental difference between event registration and ticket purchasing hmm. uh, the two are not, uh, 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 can be very, very, and often are very, very different things. If right. you take the example of registering for your common or garden trade show as a delegate, um, is, is a very different format to actually buying a ticket to go and see a concert. Um, does your platform um, recognize that? And are the two processes fundamentally different? Or is there a, a shared core of what happens in that process, whether it be a, a registration for an event or a ticket purchase? It's a really interesting point. Um, so I guess if event registration is the kind of thing that's associated with the, the stress that I was talking about mm. earlier, although buying concert tickets has its own kind of stress, uh, and UI issue, but we never, we never really got into the concert ticket buying problem. Um, and it is something that we have thought about tackling and maybe we'll, we'll do, but no, I'm supposed I am definitely talking about event registration, but right. what I took out of the ticket purchasing experience as in ticket purchasing is that in the Tito checkout, the purchase is the primary action. So you yeah. choose your tickets and you buy them. Now you have them. All right. So if I've bought a ticket for myself and I've bought a ticket for you, I just, uh, I put in my own name, I put in my own credit card details, and then I fill in my own details, my own t-shirt size, my own uh, whatever, whatever data the event organizer wants to collect off me. I fill that in, I press save, and I've got my ticket, and it, I can add it to my, at my phone or whatever. But then I can go to the next ticket, and I can type in James Dixon, throw in your email address, and then say, I don't have James's info, but send him the ticket. So what we've done is separated the purchase from the, the data collection part of the registration, and Sometimes new customers who are familiar with the just get all of the marketing info up front and then let them pay. Um, <laughs> sometimes people are confused by that and, and maybe aren't, aren't used to it. And we always have to go back and explain that we want to we take the stress out of your customer's purchase experience 
And then we want to make sure that all the data that we get is from the person who owns the data. Um, and this kind of factors into so many things like one, it's much less stressful for the person purchasing because they're not asking, they're not answering questions that they don't know the answer to, or they're not answering questions just to fill in a data validation. Yeah. And then second, um, for things like data privacy laws, the big thing was last year was GDPR. It means that the flow of data is always from the person who's providing the data. And it means that we can get opt-in from the individual rather than the person who's purchasing on their own behalf. So um, it's just, it's, that's the way the Tito registration has been purchased first and then details later since the start. And it's not something that we've really been prepared to compromise on because we think it works for those reasons. Sure. And I would, I dare say that there would be a subconscious reaction to that, that the people, users may not be aware of instantly, but certainly if you were to spell it out to somebody, we've all been in that scenario where we want to complete a transaction, a purchase, whatever it may be. And you have to go through the rigmarole of, of, of putting in all your details, first of all. And everybody knows why they're putting in their details. Right. They, they know that, all oh, right, they're not going to let me finish doing what I'm doing until I've given them every last detail of my life so that they can then market a load of mm -hmm. stuff to me. People may not know that instantly, but if you spell it out, they get it. Mm -hmm. um, by flipping it on its head and doing it the other way, it might only seem like a subtle change, but you are suddenly approaching things subconsciously totally different to the users. Um, it's almost like the guard is down. Yes, no problem. Have my information because you've let me do what I wanted to do first of all. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a, just a fundamentally having respect for all of the people in the chain. Um, like we consider like the person potentially doing the marketing is our Customers. So we want to make sure that we do provide access to the data and the ability to collect the data. But we're saying that we actually value the experience of the person processing the checkout as well, because we're building that and we're responsible for it. And that's why, that's why it should be appealing to become a Tito customer because we care about that so much. And so we care very much about the, the experience of the person buying the ticket as well as our direct customer, which is the organizer. Well, we've spoken at, 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 at sort of relative length so far about the, um, the registration process and how you guys have, uh, have developed your own thinking behind how that should work. Um, born out of that, you mentioned at the very beginning of the episode is, is, is the event management side of things and the tools that help from an event management. Um, mm. Again, what, what has been your sort of philosophy to developing those side of things? Because in a similar way, I've seen companies who developed that out of another system because they feel that it's a, a critical add-on that they must be able to offer to the industry, but have done it too quickly sure. and not really addressed what people want. Yeah, very experimentally would probably be the short answer. Mm -hmm. um, slightly longer is I kind of see it as a, as a life cycle arc. So at the, at the, when you first think of an event, you want to gather interest. Um, and then when your tickets go on sale, you want to take registrations and then maybe you want to send a survey before the event or obviously take collect data um, beforehand during the event. Then you've got certain concerns. You obviously you need on-site check-in and all that. And then afterwards, maybe there's more data collection and follow-up or integration with, with CRMs. In terms of our public activity, we've kept the focus very much on the checkout piece and then just managing the attendee data. But the philosophy, as you, which, as you asked, is to try to build the simplest thing that works, somewhat Occam's, Raber, Occam's Razor, no simpler, but the simplest thing that works. And then if that tool doesn't work for certain customers, make it really easy to get data out of Tito. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So we're not quite there yet, but you, you've always been able to get data really easily out in CSV exports or whatever. And we launched a, uh, just at Christmas a really extensive API for a first API release. We've been tipping along at, at implementing our API for a couple of years, but we launched a really, really big release in December. And we're not, we're not shouting about that just yet, but it really makes it very, very easy to get access to all your data in Tito. So those are the two parts of the philosophy. And then we've just been building the tools that we feel we, we would need as organizers. So it seems very obvious that you should be able to send an email to your attendees. Um, yeah. And so we built our messages tool. Then it's, it, it's obvious that you need to be able to manage waiting lists. You need to be able to offer RSVPs. And we've built various versions of these tools, but they're all still in beta. So this goes back to what you were saying at the start, that we really, really like things to be, first of all, well-tested, two, stable, and three, delightful, before we actually say this thing's ready for, ready to go. So we, we still have our messages tool. We've had it for five or six years, and we still call it beta, I think, um, <laughs> because there are, still, there are still ways that it's not quite delightful enough for us to say this is ready. Um, but those are those are some of the tools that we've built. But that's the philosophies. Build the simplest thing that works. And if you need to get your data out, make it really easy to get it out. Now, now having said everything that you said about, um, you know, almost going under the radar in a way, you know, but making sure that the focus is always on the usability of the product itself, mm. um, that it works effectively and not maybe making the big sort of song and dance startup uh, noises that, that, that we've become accustomed to. When you go onto your website, um, it, there's a, a map of the world on there with pins dropped in various locations that you've worked in. Mm. And you, you've processed over $300 million or euros worth of tickets in over 2,500 cities. So there's still a significant growth that you've had there. How, how have you been able to, to develop um, that type of growth and, and, and deliver the solutions in, those, in that number of cities without necessarily the sort of the shouting and the song and dance making? Yeah, it's, it is quite vindicating. Like one of the goals as part of our integrity is to try to achieve growth without compromising on our values. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing we haven't done is send a broadcast email to our 15,000 registered users, which is sort of shameful in one way, but also quite fulfilling in the other. Um, but for the first couple of years, it was all word of mouth. And what we were in a privileged position that our own personal um, acquaintances, I guess, through going to conferences and traveling all over the world, it led to us becoming friends with people who organized very influential conferences. Right. And we found that if, if JS Conf was a Tito customer, then JS Conf Argentina, Brazil, Asia, Paris, London, all of the, there's like a mushroom effect. Sure. And that was a really that was a really interesting observation and that still happens. Um, so as the JavaScript world expands, it expands into other frameworks and other frameworks look to the conferences that came before them and um, that organic effect is still going. Sure. And then again, and then after that, it became just a simple business sales and marketing exercise. We, we hired our fourth hire was for was in sales and it was a, really a matter of sending a lot of emails, working the phones, that kind of thing. Um, really just doing a lot of outreach, again, continuing to go to conferences, meeting people, asking for referrals, just the hard graft of attracting new customers to, to a business. 
but I suppose again, going back to something that we said earlier, if if fundamentally what you've got is is a product that you hope at the end of the process somebody goes, wow, that was easy, um, that instantly is going to prompt recommendations, isn't it? Because if 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 somebody that they're working with an industry peer says, ah, oh, I need a, a registration tool for my thing next. My, have you worked with anything recently? Oh yeah, this it was easy. That's yeah. all they really have to hear, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's, that's the end goal for That's kind of like the gold standard of what we want to achieve. We want to, we want to get there where people are there. They're, they use Tito and it, their jaw drops and it's that holy shit moment of <laughs> we have to have this at yeah. all costs. And that's what we're working towards. And that's kind of the, the North star as it were. And in, in some ways we're headed there and in some ways we need to do better, but we're, we're always trying to improve. Sure. And, and in t- terms of uh, in future visions and, and, and long-term aspirations, again, something that I've seen a, a number of technology companies do is, is enter the market offering one particular specific type of product or service um, and then expand into offering this and that and that. And oh, by the way, we now also do that. Um, it's hmm. right for some people. It's not right for others. What are your own intentions with Tito in terms of where you see the business expanding and developing and, and avenues that you think you may, sure. might be able to explore? Yeah, I'm particularly inspired by uh, platform style companies, um, which is we need to fit it into how we do business because we're not a platform business. But I like the idea of looking at a product as infrastructure. And that kind of helps you make decisions on what should, ne- what should be next. Like, is, is this tool a nice to have that could be better served with third-party software? Or should it, is it part of the infrastructure of running an event? And typically, if it's part of the infrastructure of running an event, then it's attractive for me to build, a, to build a, into the, the core Tito platform. Sure. We've been talking on today's podcast to Paul Campbell. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of um, Tito uh, and talking really about their philosophy and their approach to the products that they designed and, and, and programmed and brought to market that are allowing uh, the event registration process to become, I suppose, smoother and more easy to, to actually handle and deal with. It, it would be a fair way of summing it up. Um, Paul, if, if people want to find out a little bit more about Tito and get in touch with you guys directly to speak to you, um, what are the easiest ways that they can go about that? You can find us on the web. It's very easy to find us. Just to search for Tito. You should end up on ti.to, a nice, easy to remember domain. And um, you can get in touch with us. Hello at tito.io. Fantastic. Paul Campbell from Tito, thanks very much for joining us today. If you're watching the video version of today's podcast via eventindustrynews.com, don't forget to head over to your favorite podcast provider. You can uh, listen to and download all of the previous episodes as audio versions to listen to on your commute to and from work. And uh, as a flip to that, if you're listening to the audio version and you want to hop over to eventindustrynews.com, you'll find all of the latest news within the industry, all of the latest features that we've been publishing, as well as video versions of all the podcasts but for now that brings us to the end of today's episode our thanks once again to paul campbell from tito for joining us from dublin in the republic of ireland today and we'll see you on the next episode of the event industry news podcast thanks very much and goodbye